This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Beyond with Mike Kelton Season 3 is brought to you by Happy Buddha Hemp. Happy Buddha Hemp has my all-time favorite CBD gummies that I literally cannot live without. All the details on my fave nightly treats and sick discounts are coming your way, Carol. But for now, let's get this episode started, shall we? Forever. Dog. I had texted with you about it and there was this idea that spirits sort of might have control over electronics more easily. Mm-hmm. And while I was waiting for you this morning, oh my god. I looked up at our kitchen clock that at some point has stopped. And I keep thinking, like, oh, I should take that down because what if they're looking at that clock to, like, figure out the timing for the podcast and I'm going to ruin their day? Um, it's It has stopped at 11.23. Like, that's what my kitchen clock has stopped at that time. And I, like, took a picture and I sent oh, it to Chris. It stopped at 11.23. Chris! Right? <laughs> Literally, oh my God. He was a flapper in a past life. He's a comedian in this life. He's got a podcast about it. Everything he loves. Magic, magic, psychics, psychics, mediums, astrology. Hi, I'm Mike Kelton, and you're listening to... Hello, and welcome to episode two of this possibly angelic season. I hope you're vibing. And Carol, please know that I loved hearing from all of you after Ep 1. And even more so, I am obsessed with all the Guardian Angel stories people have shared with me. I honestly love them so much. I encourage you to leave a review with your story because I know that people will love hearing them as much as I do. And if you leave a review, that equals five stars. (laughs) Okay. Here we are at episode two. Now, remember last season we explored the idea of spirits communicating through electronics? From the radio at Cure Thrift Shop to the lights flickering in my Barry's boot camp, I pretty much got on board with spirits being like, hey, I live in your radio now. Well, on this episode, we're going to dive a bit deeper into this concept. And I want to give everyone the heads up that this episode gets emosh. Emotional. Cool? On board? We all heard that? Gucci. Now, back to me searching for Patrick. I started my search by calling a bunch of brokers in New York City to see if I could get the number to the building at 210 West 78th Street so we could call and see if Patrick still worked there. And don't you know it? Brokers in New York City don't call you back unless you're looking for a classic six on the Upper East Side and have at least one trust fund for a down payment. So I had really no updates by the end of February. But I did have an idea. 
I am doing a little bit of research work for this season of Beyond. And I this is a clip of me sitting in my office mid-February looking full transparency, batshit crazy. Just to give you a visual, I'm wearing a terry cloth robe, Crocs, and probably a beach hat. I was out of work and thriving. I think like something I've been stressed about in this whole process is, am I conflating this? Am I creating beauty where there was none? Because it's easier to think of life as beautiful is kind of where my head is at in this whole process. And um, I found this email and I don't think I'm making this up. I don't think I'm making this more beautiful than it is or more poetic. It, Like this email is fucking beautiful. What email am I talking about? Good question, Carol. You may remember last episode I mentioned that Patrick and I corresponded via email. Well... After I went through my Gmail and found all of the old emails from Patrick, I freaked out and I texted Tracy and Alex and I was like, I got to sit you down in the studio, press record and tell you the whole story. Um, He asked for my email before I went on the hairspray tour. And so I gave my, of course, I was like, yeah, like, of course, you know, my future, like, please take my email, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And so I gave him my email and then on the hairspray tour, I would get emails from him, like maybe like once a week, once every two weeks. And they would be like these beautiful, like flowery emails with like maybe like a Bible verse or like talking about Jesus. And I would always respond to him. And then he would never respond to my response. But um, he would send like another email a couple of weeks later being and like... But it wouldn't acknowledge anything you said in email? No, no. Okay. And so when I went back to see him at the end of the tour, you know, I brought him coffee. And then I was like... You know, just FYI, like, I really appreciated your emails, but you never responded to the ones I sent you back. And he was like, like, it was very normal. He was like, oh, I I don't have regular email. I have something called a mail bug. What's what a, is mail a mail bug? bug? Exactly. A mail bug is... A ladybug who delivers mail. Just kidding. I'm sorry if you're doing that. A mailbug is actually, according to Wikipedia, an embedded system, not a computer, that has no ability to display non-text email attachments. Mailbug is primarily marketed towards people who do not want or need a computer, especially senior citizens. And just to be super clear here, a mailbug is not a virus. It is a device that looks honestly like one of the first computers from the late 80s. Or like Zach Morris was carrying something like this around the hallways of Bayside High. And it should have definitely been confiscated by Mr. Belding. But let's be honest, that sexy fox ran that school. And the website is absolutely psycho. Oh my oh, god. The website's wow, the real website. bad. Okay, so <laughs> this also looks this looks predating AOL. This was the first website ever made. Uh, yeah. Do you know those like commercials where somebody, an old person, would fall down the stairs and they need a tub? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, like, it's that in it's it's that, that in a website. website. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the fact that it's called a mailbug and the fact that the website still exists and still looks like a template from iCarly is bananas. But The craziest thing about this mailbug situation, especially coming from Patrick, is that his mailbug, according to him in 2009, only allowed him to send emails out and never receive. That to this day is one of the weirdest things I've ever heard. Besides that one time someone told me they didn't like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, (laughs) because that's insane. I got to hear these emails. Okay. And also the email is, it's his name at mailbug.com, which I guess is like... 
If you don't have Hotmail, oh you can always God. get Mailbag. Wait, he's Look at emailed all of you these. so many times. Yeah. Just so you know, over the course of four years, Patrick emailed me over 100 times. This is Alex freaking out at the number of emails over my shoulder. Look at all of these. This is just to you. I know. He's just emailing me. Literally, a stranger is just emailing me. So this is the first one I got. The subject is to touch goodness. Via 210 West 78th Street, we came in touch with one another. Only a month or so. A hello. Hi there. Daily, I reach out to so many as a doorman. You came along. Mike, you are a good person. We clicked his love. Oh, so great. All about Jesus. A Lutheran, I jest. I wish you the best in your young life. You have a great deal to offer. Never grow tired of being the good guy that you are. Offers via employment you indicated to me are before you. This is what he was talking about. You will do well. You are a hugger and all about his love. So happy we encountered one another. The years before you are many and you will love well. I will be in touch with you via email wherever you go. All of us share a love story between us. Our God is so good. Literally, I'm like crying. I'm crying. Our God is so great. All we have is one another. Every day, he sends us so many to hug and love. Every day of your life, when you wake up in the morning, I want you to jump up and down over your goodness. I will close. Brother, as always, God's love. Good night, Patrick. What? Can you believe that? That's what I mean. This, I, that was, that was the first email. Who's, none, I don't, I, you know, not to speak for all of our grandparents, but my bubby wasn't sitting around going, God of his love be. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, I don't know what? anyone who would do this. Who would do I this? Know, I know. And I, you know what? And he was like, as a doorman, I connect with so many people or mm-hmm. something. It's like, as a doorman, buddy? I know, as a or doorman? As, as a or as a fucking girl. Oh my God, my <laughs> headphones fell off. The email I just read was the first one I ever received. And what's interesting to me as I started to explore this so many years later is that the emails he sent were not normal emails. They feel different. Even now, as a 32-year-old, I feel like these had a poeticness to them. And while I might one day rent out an off-off-off-Broadway theater and do a weekend run of the emails from Patrick, I'm not going to do that right now. So here are some of my faves that spanned over a five-year period. Wednesday, March 9th, 2011, 9 p.m. Subject, Shalom, brother. Mike, peace be with you. I have the flu. Fear not. Can't reach you via my mailbug. I hope you are just great. I hope each night you jump up and down over all the love you are about. I'm off to rest the week. 210 West 78th Street, just great. We anticipate a great deal of rain coming, Mike. Good night to his sweetheart. His love, Patrick. Monday, April 4th, 2011, 9.45 p.m. Subject, The Doorman, via 210 West 78th Street. I am well. A tough winter. Wherever you are, I hope you are well. See you walking down 78th Street soon. Stay wonderful. Hope you are jumping up and down over your good self. Love you, pal. As always, Patrick. Wednesday, April 13th, 8.49 p.m. Subject line, Mike. I hope you are well and lost in Jesus and his love. West side busy. I am known in uniform or whatever. 
People see the Jesus in us. We behave so well. I will be brief. Love you, pal. Do stop when you can. We'll be a joy to see you. Today I hugged FedEx guy. He said to me, you are so good. Yes, I know I am. It's all about Jesus. Happy us and his love. Good night, good guy. As I have said so often, as always, Alvidazen, Patrick. Sunday, June 26, 2011, 9.30 p.m. Subject, I hope you have not passed away. Brother, West Side, stop for a hug. All about Jesus. I miss you, pal. As always, Patrick. Monday, March 12, 2012, 7.16 p.m. Subject, how great thou art. So great seeing you in the flesh. Brothers, hope you locate apartment. You are a good guy. The world needs lovers as time goes by. Mike, I will be in touch. Love you, pal. As always, Patrick. This is one of the last emails I ever received from Patrick, July 24th, 2014. And just for some context, at this point, I had not been back to see Patrick in a little over a year. So when I went back to read this email, it... Well, just listen. Shalom, this holy evening for our Jewish brothers and sisters. I suspect you are not in the Federal Witness Protection Program. Wherever you are, do stop and say hello. We did West 78th Street well via Jesus. I am reminded of St. Augustine, who said, We are all in the same boat, on a stormy sea, and we owe each other a terrible loyalty. Wherever you are in the world... Always a place for you via 210 West 78th Street. All about Jesus. All about us loving one another. Hugging headquarters via West Side. Good night, good guy. As always, Patrick. So that's just a sampling of some of the emails that spanned over four years. And that's truly how I started this journey in February to find Patrick. Carol. My spirit guides have a message for you. Just kidding. They had nothing to do with this, but I genuinely want to let you know about some of my fave new things that have made my life and sleep habits a bit more chill and vibe-worthy in the past year. CBD products from our season three presenting sponsor, the iconic Happy Buddha Hemp. I've been truly obsessed with the full spectrum CBD gummies for a while now. And I gotta say, sleeping through the night is an absolute vibe. It's made me more alert during the day and brought my general anxiety to an all-time low, which is a vibe. If you haven't tried CBD products before, don't fret, Carol. I was also a noob when I tried Happy Buddha Hemp products and I quickly found the perfect dose for me. I recommend starting with the gummies and taking half of one 30 minutes before bed and see how it feels. The next night, do the same amount or go even further to really connect with your subconscious in the dream world. I can confidently tell you that I have tried and love all of the HBH products, which is why I literally asked them to sponsor my podcast. I know, it's sick. So if you want to get in on the CBD life, head over to happybuddahemp.com and use the code BEYOND for 30% off. Again, it's 30% off at happybuddahemp.com using the code BEYOND. This works for all of the products, Carol. So go ham and have a good day.
But let's put that on hold for a second. Because, babe, remember when I told you that I would keep myself open during this journey to whatever came my way? Well, the same week I was sitting in my office looking insane, crying, reading those emails from a mailbug address, I got a text from a good friend and fellow UCB improviser who had just recently had a baby. So, I blew her off. Just kidding. (laughs) I gave her a call. Chris. Can you not hear me? I can hear you, babe. And guess what? What? You're a new mom. I am. And we love. Do we love? I truly love. I had, it's all ups and downs, but I'm walking with him in the park right now as he drinks his own bottle of formula. And it's a dream. Oh, oh my God. Well, um, congratulations. A new baby. New baby, new mom. (laughs) Um, new self new world so when did you guys chris went on to tell me about something bizarre that happened surrounding the loss of her father and the birth of her son that made me say this is a story that needs to be told so i asked chris if we could come by with some recording equipment and record our hang and she said yes but only if i brought her seltzer so i said i'll bring some uh, i'll bring some seltzer and i'll see you next week i can't wait bye bye love you bye So one day in early March, Alex and I took a trip to see Chris and meet baby Carrie. Hi, boo-boo. We're talking about your grandpa. Yeah, can we clear baby from set, please? We're trying to get a story. After we cleared that baby from set, just kidding, we would never do that. He's adorable. Chris and I sat on the couch in her living room. Also, her dining room. She lives in Brooklyn. And just for some context here. Chris and I are great friends who spent almost three years on the same improv team together at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York. And when you're on an improv team together, you learn a lot about one another because improv is like a cult, but a little less funny. And because I knew Chris really well, I also knew that in the last year she had lost her father, a man who I had met a couple years prior at her wedding to her husband, Chris. That's right. Chris married a man named Chris. Chris and Chris. So I wanted to ask her how she was doing, because as exciting as the arrival of her son was, I knew that she was still mourning the loss of her father. Can we talk a little bit about your dad? Yeah, I would love to. This is where he would always sit. I'm sitting in like, and they would come and stay with us all the time. And mm-hmm. he would sit right here. He always, Yeah. This is him, which is just (laughs) the best end. He has the best energy, honestly, on this show. Alex over there. Isn't this amazing energy? Just to give you a physical description of Chris's late father, he had this like big beaming smile and super expressive face, like really kind eyes. He kind of looked like Mr. Rogers. Chris went on to talk a little bit about his life, what he did for work, and his relationship with Chris's mom. Both my parents were foreign service officers, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a very beautiful relationship where they worked in different sections of the foreign service, Mm -hmm. because neither one could ever be in charge of the other one. So my mom was a political officer, and my dad was an admin officer, like administrative, and Uh it was just the way he would describe it. was like, I'm just here as support. He developed the program that, like, the 
protocol for what happens when you have to, when the American citizens at an embassy have to leave a country. Uh-huh. He developed the protocol for how to make sure those families feel safe and taken care of uh-huh. in a very scary time. Uh, he just had all these philosophies that everyone knew about where it's like, we come last. Make sure everyone under you comes first and is taken care of and then take care of yourself. Like, that's just the kind of... I knew he was like that at home, but I didn't so realize... So he would have been bad in, like, a plane, if a plane went down. He would give the oxygen Oh, he would have the- made sure every... He would have been breathing into people's mouths. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, yours. He's like, I don't need it. Yeah, I don't need it. Um, no, but that was who he was. He was just mm. so selfless. But then on the other side, just incredibly silly. Like, just mm-hmm. goofy. So he. it sounds like he brought a lot of joy to stressful situations. Yeah. Chris went on to talk about some of her father's health complications that seemed to affect him for quite a while. He had two types of cancer. One was kidney cancer and one was uh, a carcinoid uh, cancer in his stomach or his intestine. Um, But he was traveling like internationally. He was going on trips. He was... He was a docent at the Smithsonian uh, American History Museum, and he was still doing all his tours. Like, he would refuse to not do a tour. Oh, my God. When we got back from France, this family trip, uh, my dad was still just feeling really, really poorly. So they went to the hospital and discovered that the cancer had spread and his kidneys were shutting down. And his liver was, like, riddled with stuff. And they went in to do a biopsy of his liver and actually nicked something so that then his, like, liver... There was, like, a a bleed in his liver. Um, And, yeah, so, like, two weeks after getting back from France, he passed uh, in the hospital. And it was so sudden for all of us. Like, it really was a... Like, there's there was no thought in my dad's head when he went when he drove himself to the hospital that you know he wouldn't be able to come back again and then my dad was the one that pretty uh he was just like okay well I'm I'm done I'm ready to go like he was very he's like I feel like a lab rat I don't like being poked with stuff he got to a point where he couldn't like yeah it was just he was uncomfortable and he was unhappy and he just kept saying like I've had a great great life and I am surrounded by my family and he truly was like I'm, I'm ready to go and I'm happy and I have no regrets oh. it was very beautiful and uh, he and I you know got some time together where I'd like downloaded a bunch of you know the shows we used to watch together and musicals I'd West Side Story I downloaded for us to watch. And and I got a chance to talk to him and just have us like, so many of my interests are directly from you. Mm. And so much of my personality is directly modeled off of you. And I'm really happy I got a chance to articulate my gratitude to him mm-hmm. of... Yeah, and just what an incredible father he was. Like how as sad as losing him was, the gratitude I feel that I got a dad that wonderful, where the grief is so pure. There's no like 
oh, I miss him, but I never got to tell him about that one asshole thing he did. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, that's so beautiful. There's nothing. And the same thing with my parents. Like, my mom, Mm -hmm. 48 years of marriage, like, she doesn't have any, like, it truly was, like, this was the perfect partner, and now he's gone, and it hurts so much, but how lucky that we knew him. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is what everyone said. He was just this gentle, kind, wonderful man that made everyone's life better. You know I was crying. You know I was crying. As I sat there in Chris's living room, dining room, feeling fully mid-season one of This Is Us, I thanked her for opening up about something so personal. And then I went on to ask Chris to share with me the full story of the bizarre thing that she mentioned on the phone call a week prior. So my father first went into the hospital. Uh, My in-laws sent this beautiful bouquet to the house that my mom then brought to the hospital um, as a get well bouquet. And he really wanted to send a thank you note to my in-laws. Uh, because he was so good about thank you notes always and condolence cards. And he just always thought of other people like that. Uh, So he dictated an email to me that I typed up in his iPad. And then he wanted to take a picture with the bouquet to send to them so they would see it. So after I typed up this dictated, very sweet message, I went to attach the photo and the email just disappeared. It was my dad's iPad, but they're all the same. Like I know how to use an iPad. Um, it was just gone, and it wasn't in the outbox. It wasn't in sent mail. It wasn't in drafts. It was just this, and I was so upset because it had already taken so much of my dad's energy to recite this perfect, this word perfect message. Yeah, I think I think it was the most upset. I remember being that week when I was just trying to stay calm. Like Mm -hmm. I'd been sad, but I was so angry that I had fucked this up. Did you tell him? Were you like, Hey, it's, it's gone. Yeah. I was like, I can't find it. Mm -hmm. I I was so mad at his iPad. I was so mad at, um, fuck the iPad. Exactly. Like, why are you, why aren't you using the Gmail app? Mm -hmm. Why are you still using the fucking mail? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a lot of stress you were under too at that time. And this was like, I lost the last email. My dad was Uh like, because we knew it was towards the end. So then we did recreate it from memory. And then I read it out loud to my dad. And he was like, yeah, that's it. I think you got it. And so that's the version that I attached the photo to. And I did a little paragraph at the top that was like, you know, my own message to my in-laws. And then I sent it and mm-hmm. it was done. That email that went out on July 6th. So just three days before he passed. So when I was in my first trimester uh my dad passed um he knew I was pregnant and he knew we were going to be naming the baby Carrie regardless of the gender and he was so excited um anytime he saw me with kids or with my niece he would always like take a moment to tell me what a great mom I was going to be um and then, yeah, even the hospital, he's like, I want to at least get a picture of me, like, kissing your big pregnant belly or something, because mm-hmm. it never occurred to us that he wouldn't even be around for me to be that pregnant. Um, 
So then I went through a pregnancy without my dad, which I never thought I'd have to do because my dad has always been the person I go to anytime something's difficult. He's just was always that person. And the baby's due date was February 14th, which we knew early on. And in the hospital, my dad said, keep your legs together so he comes out on my birthday. (laughs) And he's like, I don't care how uncomfortable you are. You keep that baby in for February 19th. And I was like, done. Okay. And it became this running joke that I was going to keep him in. And then pregnancy was like not as comfortable as I thought it would be. So it was like, all right, you come out when you want, baby. Like no (laughs) pressure. But then, yeah, he did take his time. And it was four days past his due date. It was the 18th and he still hadn't come. Were you having the sense of like, oh, he, he might come out on the 19th? Well, I was sort of of two minds because they then, after the first or like the second ultrasound, they were like, oh, actually the due date is February 11th. And so that was really far away from the 19th. So I was like, I don't want to overcook in there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was getting closer and closer. But then my doctor at one of our meetings was like, so just so you know, one of the reasons I don't want to go too far past the due date is it just increases the chances that something goes wrong. So then I was like, okay, just come out. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. care about the 19th. I just, I want you to be healthy. Mm -hmm. You kind of at this point had let that kind of like pipe dream go because you were like, because reality set in and you were like, let's just have a healthy baby. Yeah, let's just do what's going to what's going to do. And it was was very silly, but it was like I've sort of planned my life around this baby coming. Like Mm -hmm. Chris already started his paternity leave. Like we're like losing those days. There's still no baby. I started going to acupuncture like every other day to get this very uncomfortable, like electroshocks all over my body to try to stimulate labor. Um, like doing all these like herbal remedies, uh, walking all over the place, eating spicy food and dates. So at this point you were doing things to get the baby out because yeah. you were the doctor, but the fear right. of God well, in you. It, it wasn't, it wasn't just that the baby wasn't coming. Like my body was showing no signs that the baby would come. Oh. Like my cervix was high and firm, <laughs> which usually would be a good thing. <laughs> I would love, but then... When I can promise you there's no world where I find that sexy. <laughs> okay, but high and firm wow. cervix. Ooh, still didn't work. Okay. So then the 18th, I have a doctor's appointment, and then we left, and we're walking down 14th Street, and we're right in front of Al Chemical, which hmm. is where our team used to rehearse together. Our team practice. Mm-hmm. And I felt this, like, twinge deep in me. And all of a sudden, water was coming out of me. My water broke. Your water broke. That's what that was. Right in front of an improv rehearsal studio Uh, in New York City. (laughs) So, mm. So your baby will be unemployed until he's 40. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? He will be so quick. So then we like went back and we're like, okay, yeah, the baby's probably going to, has to come within the next 24 hours. Because once your water breaks, Mm -hmm. the baby's got to come. So that evening we went to the hospital and they induced labor, um, which was very, they like put something up in my cervix to soften it. Because again, it was still high and firm uh, (laughs) to soften it so the baby could come out. And that was an incredibly difficult, like 12 hours of extreme pain of contractions but I didn't know it was contractions because it didn't ebb and flow. It was just constant pain. Um, so I was like, oh, I shouldn't like, 
Like, I didn't call my doula. I was, like, letting Chris sleep because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm just, like, oversensitive because this can't be contractions. Um, but I guess it was just back labor. So it's the position of the baby means that you feel pain the whole time. Oy. But they started getting really, really bad around 10.30 p.m., mm-hmm. which will be relevant later. Okay. So, yeah, then it turned out that, like, I was almost fully dilated by that morning. The baby came at 11.23 a.m., also relevant later. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, and then, like, after the baby came and we're doing all this, we start, you know, I look at my phone again for the first time in, like, 12 hours to, like, talk to people. And I see that I have an email from my dad that had come in at 10-something the night before, right when the contractions had gotten horrible. And I'm immediately like, I go cold because <laughs> I see it's an email that's addressed to me and then my husband's parents. And it was the original email that got lost back in July. It doesn't have the photo, but it's the verbatim word for word that he did dictate to me, not reconstructed. It had disappeared. It wasn't in drafts. It wasn't in an outbox. Like I went through all this in July when I thought I'd accidentally deleted this email it was nowhere to be found and then it went through um as I was giving birth to my son who was my dad's namesake Carrie on his birthday on his birthday (laughs) are you losing your mind right now seriously seriously are you losing your mind Because I am. I'm losing my fucking mind right now. I'm literally losing my mind. I am losing my mind right now. I'm literally losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. I've lost it. I've lost it. And I'm going to regain it to keep talking. And here we are. Here's the deal. This is the kind of story you only hear from a woman from Long Island at a wedding who doesn't believe we landed on the moon. But this is Chris. This is Chris telling the story. Chris is team tilt. Chris doesn't even believe in this stuff. But here we are with this story. I took a deep breath sitting at that table with Chris, and I went on to ask her if she would be comfortable reading the email that came through. Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable reading uh, this. So the other thing to keep in mind, my father-in-law's father had just passed Um, about a week or two earlier. Dear Justin and Prudence, this is a picture of a flat and tired face next to a beautiful and vibrant bouquet that you so thoughtfully sent me. It has been a real boon to the room, and I so appreciate the gift. More than the flowers, though, I wanted to take this time to say how honored Sharon and I are to have your son Chris in our family. He is a wonderful mate for Chris. He is so supportive and loving and she to him. It is the kind of marriage we had hoped for her. I envy you the years you will have to witness the marital bond between these two fine young people. Finally, I wanted to say how saddened I was to hear about the passing of Justin's father. He was a classic gentleman and we so enjoyed meeting him and your siblings at his home in Taiwan. Very sincerely, Carrie and Sharon, which he signed it from both of them. 
<laughs> which is so my dad. So sweet. Yeah, he's like, this is also for my wife. Right. And then that he spent the last paragraph, like, giving condolences to, about someone else's death three days before his passing is just so my dad. <sighs> Thank you for reading that. <sighs> I thanked Chris for reading the email, and I couldn't stop thinking about the way I felt listening to her read it. It was a nice email. It was written with feeling and and kindness, and it was sent from someone who had passed. I knew there was a reason for wanting to record this hang, but I had no idea how wild this recording was going to get. So here are just a couple spooky things that happened literally during this recording. And just so we're all clear, we don't go into Beyond Recordings ever looking for shit like this. But babe, it happens, hon. Oh, that is so wild, Chris. And then I had texted with you about it, and there was this idea that spirits sort of might have control over electronics more easily. Mm-hmm. And while I was waiting for you this morning, oh my God, I looked up at our kitchen clock that at some point has stopped. And I keep thinking like, oh, I should take that down because what if they're looking at that clock to like figure out the timing for the podcast and I'm going to ruin their day. Um, it's It had stopped at 11.23. Like that's what my kitchen clock is stopped at that time. And I like took a picture and I sent oh, it to Chris. It stopped at 11.23. Chris! Right? <laughs> Literally, oh my god! Okay, so this this is insane. Like you didn't tell me that last part until literally just now. Yeah, because I I texted my husband about it. Like as you were texting that you were coming up, I was like, "Did you realize?" So the clock stops at the the birth time of Carrie of Carrie. Yeah, who is your dad's name? Yes, who was born on his birthday? Yes. And on that day, you received an email from your dad who had passed away how many months prior? Um, Nine. It was July. Who had passed away nine months before. And if this story could not get any crazier, I don't know if you caught this, but right as we were talking about the clock stopping, we got, yeah, I'm going to say it, we got crazy interference. Listen. Chris! Right? (laughs) Literally, oh my God. One more time, if you missed it, Carol. Chris. Right? (laughs) Literally, oh my God. Chris said one other thing during this meeting that I found interesting and wanted to share. So as we explored dreams in season one, we found that people dreaming about a lost loved one would tend to dream about them on a train in a car, or in transit somehow. And right before we left, Chris went on to tell us one of these stories, and it was too beautiful to leave out. So here it is. I've had dreams like that with my... So, really? Yeah. my um, I've had like three of these now. Dreams where I'm visiting with my dad, uh-huh. and I know that he's passed, uh-huh. but he doesn't necessarily know it. Uh-huh. But one of these talks was we were on a train together 
it was me, him, and my mom. And my mom kept like getting up to do stuff. But my dad and I were talking, and I and I had known that he has passed. And then as the dream was starting to slip away, I was like, "Oh, I'm about to lose you again. Because when I wake up, you won't be here." Um, and him just being like so like solemn and listening, and just being like, "I know, but I'm here now." <laughs> and yeah, and then just waking up and bawling because it feels like I, like he was just there. Mm-hmm. We just visited. We just had a whole conversation, and now he's gone again. But then this other feeling of like, yeah, but every time I sleep, it's a chance that we might be able to visit again. Mm-hmm. I left Chris's that day in early March in complete awe. This is the kind of thing that makes me feel like we don't have all the answers. Where did that initial email go? Why did it come through while Chris was giving birth to her son? Her son who has the same name as her late father on his birthday. Even if I tried to give a definitive answer to any of this, I would sound like I'm starting a cult. And I'm not doing that until I have the right wardrobe. But I did brainstorm some theories on the G-Train. Maybe Chris's late father is baby Carrie's guardian angel. Or maybe they're the same spirit and Chris's dad reincarnated as baby Carrie. Or maybe it's simpler than that. Maybe Chris's father was just sending a message from another place to say, Hey, babe, I'm still here. I don't know, and I don't think we'll ever know. But what I do know is that my week started by going through old emails from a man who I think could be my guardian angel, and it ended by hearing one of the most magical stories I've ever heard that all came down to an email. So that's where the first part of my journey took me. And on the next episode... I chat with a good friend who has an epic haunting story. That's right. Get ready for Asa because we are going on a ghost hunt. But for now, I want you to check your Gmail and open up that spam folder. Because, babe, maybe there's Wi-Fi in heaven. Goodbye. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.